For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. People are telling me that they can tell my mood by the way I introduce the show. <laughs> uh, I can. As you might may- maybe gather, uh, things are a little bit more positive than the last show. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Lanchette as ever. Rob, FA Cup final for Manchester United. Feeling better? Yes, definitely. That was the antidote, wasn't it, to Sevilla? So it, it was one of those games, wasn't it, where Brighton, you know what they bring, and I think they brought it. You saw their individual brilliance, and I think their team play. And if you didn't turn up yesterday, you get very beaten. This is kind of as simple as that. And I think Brighton have, you know, they, they've had a fabulous season. They wouldn't have looked out of place in the cup final, but a really, really solid, strong professional performance from Manchester United. Some really good displays in there. And of course, a delightful way to win at Wembley with a with a penalty shootout. And then as that ball goes in the net, you run round like Valt Veghorst. You give the kiss of death to that ball. And then you run to the United fans and do a knee slide of about 20 feet. Where don't get injured. But in that moment, and it was a fantastic memory. And, and that's what football is all about, isn't it? It's making those memories. That's the fastest I've ever seen him run, I think. Uh... It's like Usain Bolt. Just ne- mm. I've never seen him like, and it's so funny that all the United fans run towards Lindelof, or, or the United players run towards Lindelof, and he just goes, "No, I'm going this way." It's like Forrest Gump or something. But um, no, uh, a, a really, really good game of football. You know, two strong teams who wanted to win, um, and now, of course, the prize is to potentially stop Manchester City doing the treble. No, the prize is to win the FA Cup, Rob. It, it's, it's not it's, to stop City. It is It is to win the FA Cup, Scott, but I keep always saying this about the cup competitions, about what they really mean and, and, and how you take it forward. Lovely bit of silverware. We all love the FA Cups and it's a very pretty thing. But let's be completely honest. Stopping Manchester City winning the treble will be the same as Man United stopping Liverpool with doing the treble in 1977. It gets remembered forever. The, the, the trophy bit doesn't. What gets remembered is that you turned up that day and you stopped them. So... Manchester City are probably the best team in the world at the moment, aren't they? So this this is the, the challenge. Man United are not the best team in the world. So it's going to be, I think, kind of a, a David and Goliath situation where, where United have to really bring their performance of the season, already being billed the most important Manchester derby of all time. And I believe it is. Yeah, fair, fair case for that, to be fair. Uh, you said it at the start of the show, Rob, I think uh, United had to turn up. And yeah. I think that was the big thing for, for me having seen United go into a bunch of games this season and get trounced and lose really in, in really embarrassing fashion. And that happened again on Thursday. I think Eric Ten Hag actually called that the worst performance of this season. And there's been some really I bad agree. ones. Yeah. Um, but what we did see was, you can tell the players are tired. You can tell that the players yeah. have had a lot of games. I think United have played something 50 plus games. Brighton have played 37, 50, 53 versus 37 games, I think. So, you know, that's what you're up against. Um, that 
those amount of minutes in your legs, injuries galore, injuries everywhere. Um, but turning up and actually being committed, and I wanted to say this, even if United had lost yesterday, I'd been fine with it based on if, if they'd lost 1-0 in 90 minutes, if they'd have given up a goal in extra time, if they'd have lost on penalties. The way that they played is the bare minimum. And we should be expecting that level of commitment every time. You can, like, tactical shortcomings, this kind of thing, you can work on it. But as long as the required effort is there, not many United fans really will have much of an issue. And I know in two years' time, you'd be expecting Man United to be at their very, very final form and expecting them to be the Man United that we all know. But it's a road back to that. And you have to simply put the effort in. And they did yesterday, and they should be praised for that. You turn up to the office, you've got to do a day's work. That's really kind of how it is. And I think that's always been the long-term debate at Manchester United about whether players care or not. And I don't always subscribe to that, Scott. Even when it doesn't go go right, people are always like, oh, do, do the players care? And there are times when you can ask that question. You know, I don't think they went to Sevilla and went, well, we don't care. You know, we just, we, we're going to turn up here and get beaten. But the, the the prerequisite for every performance, as you said, is to go there, be professional, do your job. And if you do your job, then it whatever unfolds, you can kind of work with it afterwards, can't you? So I'm with you on that. Like I, I felt the performance uh, not just warranted a victory, because I think it was slim between the two teams. I think they were very, very samey and Brighton were better than United in some parts of the park. But United definitely turned up and, and there's no debate on that. And that has to be what you do going forward, isn't it? Even look at Arsenal and the run in here. Arsenal have gone from being title challengers, they're going to win the title, they've had a great season, everyone's had individual seasons of brilliance and all of this. But if they run out of gas at the end of the season, it won't be because they want to lose. You know what I mean? I don't think Man United want to lose either. But Eric Ten Hag now has to instill this kind of discipline and metal into his team and really push the boat on that over the summer because that's still the bit isn't it it's still kind of with united is it's just a little bit hit or miss severe you didn't you didn't turn up you didn't do your job you turn up at wembley and you uh, just a victor lindelof penalty is the difference it's as simple as that over over the kind of course of 120 minutes so now a good really a good performance by united but a really good victory because i think they'll come out of this feeling that that if they had been a tiny bit off against this brighton team they would have lost this game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I don't feel sorry for Brighton, but I think they would have deserved to get the cup final this season. They've been so good. And I think they're probably the second best ball playing team in the country after City. And they're probably on level, I'd say, with Arsenal technically with some of that stuff, some of their players. Uh, we're not quite there. We're not as technically good as Brighton, but but we brought it on the day. You know, we showed our, our big game attitude. You mentioned the Arsenal um we haven't done this conversation on this pod, but it has been floating around. Mm. Let's say Man United win one trophy and come third and Arsenal don't win the league. Mm. Who's had a better season? Arsenal. I judge all of this by the week-to-week rigmarole of the Premier League. So if Arsenal run out of steam at the end of this now because their players are young and they've now suddenly got some injuries and key positions are not working, Saliba's out, you've got Rob Holden in, I would still say that Arsenal, if the season ended today, have had the, the superior season. I know that, that trophies pay the bills and I know that fans want trophies to, to grab the bragging rights. But Man United have a League Cup, say, <laughs> and lose an FA Cup and Arsenal get nothing out of the season in terms of trophies. 
I think you have to look at the body of work over 50, 60 games because that's what you've got to take next year going forward to get better. And that's why I would say Arsenal are. So bragging rights, yes, Scott, I get it. Like fans are going to be completely binary about that. Oh, we won a trophy. I'm not as bothered about those things. I want to win the big two in the years to come and I want to win it repeatedly. I want the Premier League and I want the Champions League. And Everything after that, Scott, is dust. It really is. It's just bragging about a day out here and there. So like even yesterday at Wembley, I don't think semi-final should be at Wembley. I'd like to see the that restored, that the 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 final game is is played at the showpiece stadium and that's what you do. But you get there, don't you? You've got to win. You've got to you turn up at Wembley, it's a day out, and you've got to prove it against a really good side in Brighton. So that's how I look at it. I know that's gonna get that's gonna get turfed out loads now about who's had better seasons and whatnot. But I think Arsenal this year for maybe 30 games overall, maybe the best team in the world up until that point, you know, to go from being, what were they last year? Mid-table at some point, pushing towards Europa to then jumping to being the best team in the world and the best team with, say, Napoli in Europe. That's an amazing achievement this year and no doubt silverware should be the marker of that. If they win the Premier League this year, you know, all credit to them, but they're not going to win at Man City are. That's the truth. City are City have the pedigree that Arsenal don't, and that's what counts in the final running. Always, the team with the pedigree generally does it. So I think only the year Leicester won it. The teams around them also didn't have the pedigree. You know, they it was really about Leicester's motivation. <laughs> but it's happened with United loads in that running. It's the pedigree that counts in those final six or seven games, and I'm not quite sure. You know, Rob Holding's not going to get the job done. It's just as simple as that. Holding versus. Haaland, don't even bother turning up. You know, sorry, Arsenal fans. Um, but that's what they have to solve going forward, isn't it? It's like the same conversation we have about Maguire. It's, uh, you know, you've got to have better players and they've got to be consistent. What I do got... you think, Scott? What do you think? You tell me. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I see the progress. Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah. But you failed. You know, that, that's kind of how I, how I look at it. Arteta's season three or four versus Eric Ten Hag's first. Yeah, totally. That's fair in the sense that I think like Ten Hag's first season, and we will no doubt do a season recap show later on down the line. It's outstanding. Even if you go and get hammered in the FA Cup final now and you get fourth and it's a bit of a damp squib going into the end of the campaign. Year one of a project for the most dysfunctional football club in the universe who are trying to sell nah, the football Chelsea club. Chelsea now, man. Well, it's Chelsea now. <laughs> they've, they've kind of stolen our crown, haven't they? But, but let's be honest, Manchester United for 10 years have been an absolute joke. And we've just had to work around that joke as, as kind of fans and journalists. That's what it is. But in year one, this has been an incredible achievement. And to me, it's not about winning the League Cup. The League Cup as the silverware is not the barometer. The barometer is these, what you see with your eyes, the football. And United are a much better football team than they were 12 months ago. Arsenal, I think as well, jumped levels. But no, I wouldn't call it a failure. You might call it a failure. And then there's no doubt other fans no, would call in, it a failure. In the context of it, like I'm not I'm not saying that them ascending to the levels that they've, they've reached is yeah. a failure. What I'm saying is when you're in that position with one target, let's bear in mind that all the other competitions they throw out the window in order to yeah. win the league. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a fairer comment if Arsenal were complete, completely healthy. But at this time of the season, no winners, are they really? But there's a difference where Man City can fill in with a Phil Foden and absolutely look like nothing is different 
because that's how good their squad is and the depth has taken seven years to build that squad. And Arsenal are in year three of that build and you can see that there are still problem positions. There's a big difference when Saliba's not there. You think it's Saliba's first proper season for Arsenal here, isn't it? And he's been amazing. But you've got Rob Holden there now. I would not be confident. If I'm Artesta, I'm thinking, how do I keep the ball away from him? But that's just what you've got to deal with, isn't it? So that, to me, it would be a huge disappointment if I was an Arsenal fan not winning the title. And yeah, I might be crying into my cornflakes for a few weeks. But overall, I think I think the body work that they've done this year is massively impressive and means that going into future seasons, you've only got to add maybe one or two or three now to get really good, to get to to kind of city consistency level and pad that squad out. That's the way I kind of look at it. And that's the same with Man United. I think we know there's lots of changes and still needed at United, but they've jumped levels probably in a way that they shouldn't have deserved to. Like when you look at the, the personnel, <laughs> like we still have the same debates about the same players, don't we? Being the same same level of rubbish at times uh, and the consistency. But I think Arsenal as well, they've, they've made that leap with a bunch of young players. And for me as well, that always gives you extra credit in the bank for me. I always think, yeah, that's, that shows that a project is succeeding. So I definitely, definitely wouldn't call it a failure. I'd call it a disappointment if City won the title. I got um, some serious, serious uh, abuse on Friday for a video we put out suggesting that I said Arsenal were not locked in for top four next season. The I only team locked fair. in, a Man City. And I it'll turn to fair. a top five. Yeah. Oh, well, Arsenal fans don't think so. Anyway. Uh, well, I say, why I say it's fair, if you have a season, like say you start next season, say Martinelli is out for six months with an injury, and say then Saka's gone for whatever reason, and then you lose Odegaard, and you're probably not coming top four. It's as easy as that. A few injuries and a drop of form and maybe a little bit of tactical mismanagement from the manager at times, changing things. We saw Tottenham yesterday decide that they're going to play 4-3-3 when they haven't played it all season long. And what happens? Teams walk through you. So those things can happen even to good uh, teams. So I don't think they're locked in for top four. I don't think anyone is. I wouldn't say United are locked in for top four. That was my point, yeah. I think the only team maybe locked in, you would say, are, are Man City, because even on their worst day, they could still beat you and they could still accumulate an incredible amount of points when they're not playing good football. So they're probably the only team I think that you could definitely say were top four standard for next year. Take that, Twitter. Anyway, uh, let's look back to the uh, the game yesterday. Any players you want to single out for praise? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it was that kind of game where we were singling out uh, players for criticism against Sevilla, I think there are there were definitely a few candidates yesterday. So let's start with those two centre-backs. So Victor Lindelof, player that I've given a ton of uh, criticism to over many, many years for his lack of pace and his lack of anything and his lack of bravery at times, I say. Um, I thought he was brilliant yesterday. Really, really good. Did his job well. Knew what he had to do. But the guy next to him, playing left centre-back was as good as left-sided centre-back play I've seen this season from any player in any league. It was brilliant. Luke Shaw, coverage, ball movement, ball progression, driving, um, marking, everything. He did everything almost perfect. He was, for me, I think if Lindelof was a 9 out of 10, Luke Shaw was a 10 out of 10 for me yesterday. And that performance just settled the future nerve, Scott, of the next few weeks because... We know that Martinez and we know that Varane are not going to be around. You're going to have to deal with it. Varane might be back. Varane might be back, but I think the smart thing to do is just forget about him for now. Like, if he comes back, brilliant. But I'm happier with Lindelof next to Shaw 
and Luke Shaw running the centre-back and running that defence. And if he can do that at that level, you'll have to ask him weeks and months to come, why is Gareth Southgate not put, playing him as your centre-back? Because you probably could get away with that. You wouldn't need Harry Maguire there. Harry Maguire gets picked when he doesn't even play for Man United. So Luke Shaw, I think, not that he's going to turn into a centre-back. He's infinitely a better left-back. We know this. But what an option to have. If he can play to that level for the rest of the season, and Lindelof can as well, it means that, that back three with David De Gea, those three in the middle, they're going to win you matches through what they do as opposed to losing them in Sevilla. And let's hope, touch wood, you don't have to start Harry Maguire in some of these bigger games coming forward because I do think it's a problem. I think you saw yesterday, Scott, there were situations that manifested that if Maguire had been there, might have ended up in a goal. And that's not to just take a pot shot at him. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I agree completely. Um, I think there's a reason why Eric Ten Hag wants a left footer at left centre-back. Yeah. And he will go out of his way to make it happen. Uh, just the balance that it offers uh, is immeasurably different. It, it really is. In, in, a, in an Eric Ten Hag system, mm-hmm. I think... Lindelof and Maguire, they played together so often and had so much damage during games that they played together that we've seen time and again, even before Ten Hag, that it just doesn't work. Yeah. And as damning an indictment as it is to say that Man United paid 80 million for Harry Maguire as the club captain, and you are thinking, I prefer to play a left back ahead of you in your position. Uh, That is just the case. I'm I'm not sure. too many people would disagree with that. They just looked a lot more solid, a lot more sturdy. And ca- ca- even like when Casemiro gets back up to speed, because I don't know whether you think this is a fair comment, but he's not been right since he's come back. No. He played he played all right at Forest, obviously, but that was Forest. They kind of give you, you know, give you the entire pitch. Um, Casemiro, he looks a bit off, you know, but yeah. also at the same time, he hasn't played football for six weeks <laughs> yeah and it does take him some time to get up to speed it took him time to get up to speed at the start of the season as well yeah look, I, I, I'm not going to give Casemiro any kind of excuse out of it Casemiro wasn't particularly good yesterday I don't think and I think that this diving in thing for me is a massive issue stay on your feet there's no way that the manager is telling him to risk stuff in and around the, the centre circle in the way that he is risking it. So it's stupid, isn't it, Scott? Can you imagine if you got sent off yesterday and got another ban? Like it, it, and he was close, wasn't he? You know, you've only got to slip once into one of those tackles. And, and like, again, I think some of the refereeing yesterday was absolutely, like, mind-boggling and so bad. Um, then you're, you're off again. So for me, you're right. He does look a yard off at the moment. But you, 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 with him, you, you're better with him still. He's the number six. There's no one else who can do the number six function really like he can. But you can see that he's not quite there. And maybe, as you said, like these eight games that he's had as his ban, it hasn't actually benefited him. Maybe he's one of these players that needs to keep playing minutes to stay at his highest levels. Because he looks a bit jaded to me. He looks a bit soft and a bit slow. And that is it's not what you need at this point of the season. But he's definitely going to start no matter what. You haven't really got another option in there. You've got to keep playing him. Uh, just haven't done this yet. So subscribe wherever you get your pods uh, on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. Leave us comments on YouTube as well. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, you know, do all the business, put the notification bell on, uh, subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, just a word for you. We're recording on Monday today. We usually do Tuesdays and Fridays recording on Monday. 
We'll also release a show on Wednesday, which is a bit more uh, forward-looking. And we'll do a Friday show as well, looking back to the Spurs game, which is on Thursday night. So uh, three shows this week, because we missed one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter as well, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Now, so let's say United have a first-choice centre-back pairing that they've just discovered for the next few weeks. They have a goalkeeper as well. I know you're very keen to, as as you would say, give him his flowers, Rob. Um, so do your do your bit on David De Gea. Yeah, look, I think De Gea yesterday made two or three absolute world-class saves. Peter Schmeichel was in the studio after the game talking about it. And of course, Schmeichel's a goalkeeper, so he's going he's gonna to be more pro a goalkeeper than not, isn't he? But he was talking about the, the save, the one that went through actually um, Fred's legs from the edge of the box that was in the bottom corner and De Gea has to kind of almost dive backwards just to get his hand on it and push it around the post. And and I think that goalkeeping is, you know, we, we are very obsessed as a culture now in this country, football-wise, of goalkeepers playing out from the back. And it's absolutely the most important part of their wider game now in the years ahead. We know this. It's where the game's gone. We know De Gea is not good at that. David De Gea is still, in that moment, turns up and makes that big save. And I think like you said after before, Scott, and, and I think this is a wide-ranging opinion about goalkeepers, is that, oh, well, it's their job to save the ball, isn't it? But it- Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is a dying art, and, uh, you know, talking to goalkeepers over many years and what, they, what they're supposed to do, you have to be so mentally strong in that in those sticks, and you you can't get one thing wrong. If you get one thing wrong at Man United, it's literally a week's worth of headlines, and that's that. And that's what De Gea's had this week. So credit to the lad. 
You turned up on the day, all right? Wasn't great in the penalty shootout, but neither was Robert Sanchez. It's just, just what it is. But I think overall in that game, two or three really massive saves. That means that you don't just win the game, but you might have lost it more convincingly. You might have lost that game two or three nil. And then we're talking about how great Brighton are and how terrible Man United have been. So, um, no, credit to De Gea on the day. He did the job and that's all he can do. Just worth pointing out, I, I know uh, David De Gea, <laughs> we, we've seen penalty shirts with David De Gea in goal before. Um, I'm not always at United games, but I have seen David De Gea save a penalty. I have as uh, well. Yeah, I saw uh, a save from Leighton Baines yep. in a 2-1 win over Everton when Radamel Falcao, I believe, scored the winner. There's yep. been a few others as well. Um we can I mean, do was it. it. Was, was it against Arsenal earlier, a few years ago? And it was all that as well. It's like, oh, he doesn't save it. And then he gets in the bottom corner and he, he tips it around the post. So he does. But he's not a kind of, like, he's not a goosey-loosey, like, mover on the line, is he? He's very, and I'm going to go one way or the other. And again, in the modern game, it's about trying to psych the 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 um he did have his own little notepad by the looks of it as he well, did i saw it yeah yeah he had it down there and of course that's that's normal now i think all all goalkeepers are giving that information for shootouts and they would have pra- they would have looked at that earlier on but you you you're still the, the second best in that scenario like it's up to the goal scorer is it up to the penalty taker to just slot it away from 12 yards i always say that you should never really miss a penalty in that scenario because you've only got to put it in one of the corners and that's that. No goalkeeper can save it. So I'm never that bothered about that in that moment. A goalkeeper can only be a hero in that moment. But I think in the actual game itself, you know, Robert Sanchez didn't have to make any real world-class save or top-class save in the game, did he? Let's be honest. Not, United had I thought the, Ra- the Rashford deflection one was a really good save. That was a good save. That was his moment. But I think there was three really, really good saves from De Gea in that, which I think are, are worthy of note of talking about and saying that... that you know, not every goalkeeper makes that save. Um, but I also understand that a lot of people think that goalkeepers are just trash and that they have to make that save because that's their job. So we hear that all the time, that, that they're supposed to do it. So why do we celebrate it? I think uh, it can be as vital in a moment in a match as a goal for me, is that a goalkeeper can give you that intestinal fortitude with that one save and bring get you back on track and get everyone around him confident. I think that happened yesterday, especially with a, a kind of makeshift back four who might not be your first choices any injury concerns uh so bruno, bruno. fernandez roll his ankle yeah uh didn't un- uncharacteristically actually when when he was taken off and like, i could see penalties on the horizon i was like oh, that's a mistake but you know he He's rolled done. his ankle he must He's have done. He must have been ballooned up he was trudging around a little bit uh hopefully united players can come through that they will talk about the spurs game uh, at the end of the show mm. um, we'll keep FA Cup for now any, any other players you want to give a mention to no the five minutes before Bruno came off you could totally see he was done he couldn't move he, he, he wasn't doing any of his midfield coverage at all he just stopped and you could see that Ten Hag was very quick then to get him off uh, I agree with you like you want him obviously in the penalty shootout but you actually don't want him in a penalty shootout if he's injured and he's thinking about that and thinking about his ankle and having to manage that situation because you could still miss couldn't he we've seen Bruno Fernandes miss penalties so a big blow for United in the context of the rest of the season. But also, now you're positioned better. You know you're in a cup final. We know what's going on with Spurs. We can talk about them in a minute. But you're you're in a in a much kind of more relaxed situation than maybe you were 
on the final whistle against Sevilla, which wasn't that long ago. You kind of feel just that little bit better about the squad momentum. Yeah, let's... Uh, obviously, the final's not for six weeks yet or however long. Five weeks, maybe. Yeah. Um, Man City are in it. Man City play Arsenal on Wednesday to mm-hmm. take the lead, or not take the lead, but take control of the Premier League title race, even though they're probably already in control of it already. Arsenal have to go to Newcastle. City are in the semi-final of the Champions League against Real Madrid. The treble is on the horizon for them. Um, obviously, United ha- now have their chance to stop that happening. Yes. Would you prefer that was the case? I- I'm guessing so, right? But at the same time, you do run the risk of facing one of the, probably the best team in Europe at the moment and getting trounced in the FA Cup final. What is yeah. more? What what is worse? <laughs> Most important thing, of course, get top four. That's that's it. Top four, top four, top four, top four every day of the week. So that's the main thing for Man United. And Man United matters. But now you're in. Now you're in this cup final. The FA Cup final is one week before the Champions League final, and I then have flashbacks, Scott, to '99 because I'm old. So I remember '99, and I remember that week, and I remember a lot of the kind of turmoil, and I remember thinking United might lose all three three trophies uh you know we we did the job against Tottenham Hotspur ironically in the final day of the season for that to win the Premier League um we went to the FA Cup final absolutely trounced Newcastle it was only 2-0 but we we were all over them and they didn't have a chance and Alan Shearer crying on the football pitch like oh no we've not won a trophy again and then you look at the Champions League final and let's be completely honest Man United were absolutely awful in that game terrible Bayern Munich with a better team. Bayern Munich hit the bar six times and and you win 2-1 because it's a miracle. So do I want to stop Manchester City miracles and maybe the final step in their evolution of this last 10 years? Because that's what it would be. This would be their project in complete mode, wouldn't it? You win the treble, you're champions of Europe, champions of England, champions of the known football universe, but you've got to go through Man United to get it. Quite like that. I think we're the underdogs. And I think that the importance of this cannot be undersold and understated. I think I mentioned to you before about 1977. I was not there for that. I'm not that old. But the folklore off the back of that game for a Man United team who was struggling around relegation, had been relegated a couple of years before and come back up against a Liverpool team who were undoubtedly the best team in the world. And Man United somehow turned up at Wembley and took it away from them. And you can never, ever rewrite that bit of history, Scott. It's always there. So for me, this is about creating history and denying Man City their shot at immortality because it couldn't be against anyone better, could it? Like, can you imagine? Like, if they were turning up against Brighton, this might be nowhere near as interesting. You would be expecting Haaland to score three overhead kicks and City win 6-0 and they just coast to another trophy. But the storyline here is actually more important than the silverware. It's more about... Can Man United bring that one big performance and stop Man City? Doesn't matter how well you play, Scott, like 1999, win the game. That's the most important thing. And then even the trophy doesn't matter. Who cares about the FA Cup? It's about stopping Man City now winning the treble. And I'm not always like that as a fan. I don't look at other clubs. I don't really judge United on those things. But this is City. This is our this is our noisy neighbour. This is the team that's embarrassed us for 10 years. Let's see if we can halt them having their greatest moment. Do you, like, this is my take, right? Do you feel 
I, let me let me put let me substitute Man City out for Liverpool, right? Hmm. Liverpool in their last five years have done it the way that they built, have built it the right way. Mm-hmm. City have two, but obviously we know the context behind that. I don't enjoy watching Man City play. I, I don't like. To me, I just look at it and I think, well done. It's inauthentic. It's just not. It's not like I look at Liverpool and I think. You know, I would be like, my gut would be turning if this was Liverpool because they've done it the right way. They've done it authentically. <laughs> I'm going on record here. I've you are going before. on record. I was just, as you're saying it, I'm thinking, mm, this is going, this, you know, this is actually like on tape, Scott's going out to the world. Like people can be, people can pull this up in a few years' time and go, do you remember? I get that quite a bit. People say that to me all the time. Um, I don't. I would not use the word authenticity. Like I watch Man City play, and I enjoy them, and I enjoy them from a football I context. I've got to be honest. I, I watch what they do, and I look at the kind of tactical nature of it. And again, I think it's underrated what they do, how they control games, how they always manage to look at each zone of the attacking areas and outnumber teams. The work rate it takes to do that in the discipline is off the chart. And I think because we've seen it for so long now under Guardiola. It is just easy to ignore it. It's always the way in football. Some people appreciate one thing. Some people appreciate another. Liverpool, in the heavy metal football style of, you know, Jurgen Klopp, of course, I think it's more entertaining. But they haven't been as good as Man City over that seven years. Like they've been. I'm not talking about this, by the way. I'm talking about the, the way that they've got there. Well, I think that, that ultimately, if you look at the two projects, you know, some people will look at the American ownership at, at, at Liverpool and rightfully make comparisons to the Glazers. There are definitely comparisons. They are from the same sect. And I think a lot of people will look at Manchester City and see the sports washing for what it is, because it is sports washing. That's what that's why they bought that football club. There's no point. There was never a, a thing for in the Middle East where someone went, oh, you know what? I've been a big Man City fan my whole life and I, I've got to buy this football club and help them back. It wasn't that thing. It's a sports washing project. So that's maybe where the authenticity comes into it. But I think on pure football terms, there hasn't been a better team in the world than Man City over the last 10 years. I think it's stretched a long period now. And I, and I enjoy technical, tactical football. That's I do. That's, you know, it's who I am. And, and football doesn't always have to be a slobber knocker, punch-up fest, which I think, again, United fans have been used to that because that was the Fergie style. You know, you, know, you lay a glove on us and we lay a glove on you. Those, those teams generally don't win things, Scott. The teams that win the best, the biggest trophies are the best teams tactically and technically. It's just what it is. So I think like Guardiola's achievement of what he's done in the last few years, it is on a par really with how Fergie you know, his, his achievements at Man United. And you could say uh, Man United really managed those situations well back in the day because there was, always a, there was always a challenger. There was always an Arsenal. There was always like a Chelsea at times. There was always like someone else coming up the rails. City and Avan have kind of done the same. Like Liverpool have gone this way and I don't think are very good anymore. You look at City, they've maintained their standards somehow through Guardiola's insistence on this style of football. I like it. I don't think they play tiki-taka either. It's not like Barcelona 15 years ago, which I thought was boring. Like when, when they beat us in the Champions League final twice with Messi. To me, that was a boring style of football, but it was effective. And it was Spanish football and I covered La Liga. But I think now when you look at what Guardiola's doing, the evolution of Man City, he's influenced every part of the English game. 
everything we talk about now, technically and tactically, everything we talk about Man United can and can't do comes from the hand and the handwriting of Pep Guardiola. That is the truth. We talk about goalkeepers playing out from the back. No one was bothered about that six years ago, Scott. Here's Guardiola. So those things, to me, I, I think are worth credit and worth highlighting. And I hope to God that we beat them at Wembley and stop their finest moment. And they don't, they don't have that in their locker for the rest of time. From finest moments to worst moments, we'll uh, switch attention to the Premier League because Man United's next opponent is Spurs. Mm. And they were absolutely smashed uh, by Newcastle on Sunday. Man United go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, on Thursday night. And we know that United have gone to top half rivals and not even taken a point so far this season. That, that, that was from a few weeks ago. Maybe the top 10's changed around since then. That's yeah. generally the rule is that United don't turn up for these games and they falter under atmosphere or pressure or you know, all of this. Mm -hmm. Eric Ten Hag says it's not the case, but you look at the results and you know United tend not to do well away at rival grounds. But Tottenham are a mess. <laughs> um, so what I will say here is United are currently fourth in the league after Newcastle's uh, win over Spurs 6-1 on Sunday. United had two really good results on Sunday because obviously they won their own game and Newcastle beating Spurs was the favoured result really in terms of United's top four push because that's now two games that United have in hand over Tottenham and a six-point advantage over them they also have as well. Liverpool have a game in hand on Spurs and would go level on points with them. Brighton are also in the mix where they got a very, very difficult run-in down in eighth. So really, United are going into this game now. I said it before uh, one of the games they lost recently, Newcastle. Just don't lose. Mm -hmm. That's my position here. But... Honestly, though, how with how bad Spurs are at the moment, they've got to be going into this and winning it. They've got to have that mentality about it. But I, I, I still think that from a professional standpoint, don't lose. Like that's the most important thing here. Games are running out. Manage the situation. Manage the the, the fallout before it happens. <laughs> that's the kind of way I look at it. But you're right. I, th I think the things with Man United and maybe looking at the Tottenham game, is that you could still see yesterday there was just a ton of players carrying injuries. So this is going to impact you in the weeks ahead. It is. It's just impossible not for it to... How do you mitigate disasters and problems? I think when you look at Tottenham, there's no doubt that what happened against Newcastle, you see there one team on the rise with Newcastle and feeling good, and one team without their manager playing a completely new system. I think the... Um, the interim, what's his name? I can't, sorry, I've forgotten his name. The interim, Cellini. Cellini, yeah. He was interviewed before and he said, he went, yeah, this team, you know, my player can pl players can play 4-3-3. It's a European system. All players can play 4-3-3. You know, it's not a problem. They went out there, played 4-3-3, and it was like a bludgeon horror movie, wasn't it? And Newcastle just took them to task. So, does that mean Man United are going to turn up at Tottenham and it's going to be an easy day at the office? No, I don't think it is because they've still got Harry Kane. And Harry Kane showed in that Newcastle game. He had that one moment. He buries the ball. And again, in a game of football that's level or even, that's all you need. You don't need that striker, put the ball in the net from 5, 10, 15, 20 yards. 
and you can win one nil and the story's a different story, isn't it? So I think United now have to really stage manage the rest of this season, Scott. They really do. They've got to be aware that as much as they want to go out there and dominate games and be the best version of themselves and all of that cliche rubbish, you need to be professional. Go out there and manage the situation and suffocate Tottenham. Don't let them play. Tottenham will go back to playing free at the back. I'm sure they will, like they did at the end yesterday against Newcastle. And there's every chance with a puncher, you know, with Harry Kane, that they knock you out with one shot. You might have a... That's how it works. We saw it with Sevilla. We wouldn't have expected May United to concede five goals against a team from La Liga who are 13th, would we? So, always the unexpected could happen. But I think Man United have got enough to manage the situation, especially if... Lindelof and Luke Shaw can play games together now going forward. And I think that's, you cannot underestimate how important that centre-back partnership will be on the day. It's a really important couple of games coming up in the league for United because obviously the FA Cup final now isn't until start of June. There are eight games left, I think. United have eight games left. Their next two are against the two teams directly below them. So Spurs and Aston Villa. Yeah. If they take six points from these two, that's going to go a hell of a long way to securing top four. Win a few games, it's done. This is this is it now. There is no kind of like the mathematics that actually need doing. You know, United have got two games in hand on Tottenham, win those two games, and it's, it's pretty much done. You're there. So it's good that United have positioned themselves, Scott, at this point of the season to be where they are. It kind of it makes you look backwards sometimes. You think, God, we could have got this done a lot earlier. Like we could have really been several points onwards when you think about the start of the season, the middle of the season and where we were a few weeks ago. But this is why I always say that the, the Premier League campaign is the barometer of how good you are. Because Man United have had loads of hiccups this year, Scott, and yet you're still in the top four. And not comfortable, but you're close, aren't you? Got to an FA Cup final. We talk about that now. And you've won a trophy. So... What, what what United fans got to be down about? You know, like, you know, this this is the thing, isn't it? So you've got to try and look at the campaign as a whole, I think, always about whether it's been successful. I think United are very, very close now to kind of ticking that box for the season and saying, yep, it's been a successful campaign. Yes, like we say, we'll do another show, um, which we'll record in a second and release it uh, on Wednesday, I believe. Uh, just before the Tottenham game, but we'll do, we'll take a bit of a broader look at the situation at United for that one. Uh, any final thoughts, Rob, on what we've discussed today? Obviously, uh, you know, pretty pivotal week, actually, this is, as we just mentioned. Uh, any final takeaways for you? No, I think just the sense that it was good that United got back on the bike and rode it yesterday. And I think... The, the statistic I think that jumps out at me is that now that that is eight times this year United have lost a game and won the, the next game straight afterwards. So we talk a lot, don't we, about psychology and whether they've got the bottle or whether they've got the nouse or whether they want it. That shows that there's a, a discipline growing at Man United because you're going to need that, Scott, in the years ahead that when you have adversity that you then don't have six weeks of bad results because that's what Man United have been for a very, very long time. So delighted with the cup victory simply because it meant that, that you did your job and you, you you felt good about that. Great to have those moments, as we said, Valt kissing the ball and doing his knee slide and Victor Lindelof having a special moment, putting the ball in the top corner with a fantastic uh, penalty to win it. But overall, just so, so pleased that it doesn't feel like the season's just hit the skids. Because that's how it felt against Sevilla. It felt like, oh, is this it now? Are we going to completely just capitulate? 
And it feels even with the injuries that that isn't the case. Yes, indeed. Uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore P and at promise and MU for the show. Uh, get us on YouTube. If you haven't already subscribed to the channel, the promise and the Manchester United podcast, like comment, subscribe, notification bell, all those kind of things. Usually uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, but this week we'll do a, we'll do three shows for you. So we will be back on Wednesday. Uh, I'm Scott Saunders. That has been Rob Blanchett for another promise and podcast. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, things are looking up again. <laughs> uh, we'll wait and see just how long it's going to take until we start cursing again. But hopefully, hopefully, there's no other massive hiccups like United have suffered throughout the course of the season to come throughout the remainder of it. So uh, we'll see you soon for another Palmerstown podcast. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We'll see you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.